Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Mike Munzenreiter and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite to talk about books and bangers with Walker Ryan, who released a video part on Monday and a new book called Off Clark a few weeks back. Walker, you called this video your sponsor me tape on Twitter. Have the brands come calling yet? <laughs> I was, that was mostly sarcastic. Um, I don't expect the brands to come calling. <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny. Um, so I guess... Yeah, if I'm answering that question seriously, no, they have not. They should be. <laughs> yeah. You're just letting it I don't know what to say there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I just think there's something kind of funny about um, being a 34-year-old uh, professional skateboarder. Although I don't have my name on a board at the moment, so I don't know if I, I still get to call myself a professional skateboarder, but it's only been a couple months, so I feel like I got some uh, some severance there. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's funny. Sent, sent tapes out when I was 14, sending tapes out now through a... Uh, through Thrasher, see what we can get. <laughs> but, you know, it's a joke. Yeah, in terms of, like, not having the pro model anymore, but for the time being, let's say, but also having the video part come out in the back of your uh, back of your novel, you describe yourself as still sort of a professional skateboarder, like, <laughs> shit, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just go for it. Like, where are you in terms of pursuing skating or pursuing writing or... I don't know. You you just mentioned how old you are, 34. Are you at a crossroads? Are you just testing your options? Where are you at? Yeah, well, I'm always just going to be someone who loves to skate and have my skateboarding documented. And I love video parts and videos. So I'm probably always going to put videos out in one form or the other. Whether or not I have a pro skateboarding career continuing on, I think it's kind of done which is fine. I sort of have been seeing that writing on the wall for, for years and I, I'm cool with it. You know, like it's not, there's something sort of dubious about the quote unquote profession of skateboarding. I've always thought that, you know, when I lost my main source of income, which was like shoe income, DVS was my last like shoe sponsor. You know, like I had, just gotten a board on Sovereign and, and I still was, you know, like doing pro skating or I was, you know, calling myself a pro skater, but like always doing side hustles, applying for real jobs and just keeping the feelers out there. So it's just been a, it's been a long time coming that I feel like pro skating, like what does it even mean sort of thing for me personally, but it's not going to take away from how much I just, I just love this shit and I love doing it and I love following it. And, you know, it's a, it's a great, uh, community too, you know, that I feel like there's a lot of peers in skating who I just really enjoy being around and skating with. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a long winded answer, but it's something I'm constantly kind of like figuring out and playing with. And, you know, like I, ideally it'd be cool to like still have my name on a board and still get to work within skateboarding in some way. But, you know, that's, there's only so much I can do. Walker, Jason here. Um, yeah. First of all, big fan. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, right off the bat, I just want to say on the record, switch backside flip the love fountain. I think like is kind of underappreciated in like the trick lore of that spot and trick lore in general. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe it's thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Maybe it's because it was an independent video. I don't know, but that yeah, it's one of definitely the hardest tricks to uh, go down there. Um, most of my questions are about uh, the book, and I definitely picked up on some of that kind of like existential maybe not a crisis but just like you know questioning about skating and pro skating that kind of thing in your book did you take any writing classes at college did you, why do i think you go to you went to ucsd did you go to ucsd yeah that's correct yeah yeah did you 
did you take any writing classes there or, or you pretty much just like self-taught? Yeah, there was a, there was a, man, I can't remember what it was called, but some sort of a freshman mandatory class right. that I had to take. But yeah, writing was, writing, especially fiction was not my focus. I was a sociology major, so everything what involved writing essays. Right. So there was definitely a lot of writing and a lot of reading, but it really, you know, the idea of writing fiction didn't hit me until probably like four years out of college. No, no, not four years, probably like three years. It was really a roundabout way, like getting there to fiction specifically. I mean, I have always had an interest in writing. I'm from a family of very serious writers, some of them novelists, and I've always loved the power of writing, especially when it's well-crafted. And I've always had an eye on like writing and skating that I really respected and appreciated. And there was a point when I thought, you know, like I would like to write something someday. I should practice. And I actually started a blog and just like, I'm going to write about skate videos that I like to give myself an excuse to write every day or whenever I feel like inspired. And um, I don't know, T Templeton, did you do the skateboard mag um, skate log, skate log, little log? Yeah. Yeah, I did that. I don't remember if Was I wrote you? yours or not. I, I wrote well, like most of them. Mike did the one for quarter snacks. Though. Okay, I don't know who did uh, the. Someone did a little focus, a little mini focus on on my, my blog, in the mag, and like if it was you, shout out because that was like the first time anyone in skating like recognized that like I was trying to do a little writing out there. So thank you if that was you because that was always kind of like a big moment for me. I was like, oh shit, even though it's like I've already had like interviews and photos and stuff, it's like oh I got this like you know four inch little write up. I'm hyped. Dude, that's awesome. It, it likely was me because I wrote most of yeah. them. But again, so like I started writing about obviously the one thing I'm most obsessed with, skate videos. And then I started writing about trips. And then eventually I tried writing a pilot for a TV show with one of my good friends, Nick Henry. Whoa. And uh, just because we, we were, you know, I was making skate videos. We were always into making little like shorts and sketches. And we just thought like, why don't we just like barge a little skate pilot like you know a comedy kind of thing and uh it was a really fun exercise like we worked really hard on developing all the characters and like so many rewrites of the of the first episode and we were like lining up jimmy carlin was gonna be one of the characters we're gonna get some kid we hadn't like approached too many but i remember it was when mason silva was like still a grom and we were like this kid's pretty sick he could be kind of cool for the character so we were gonna like we're gonna do this whole thing ourselves but we just lost steam. It was so hard to, to, to wrangle it together. And then, but really that it was that process of like creating a story and structure and characters that made me feel like I had my own idea. And that's what turned into my first novel, Top of Mason. And then, you know, with the gears going on that one, once I finished it, you know, I, I it kind of sets in motion, like the process of more stories and they kind of all start with like some little spark or something interesting and all right that i find in skating because that's what i, I want to focus on now obviously it's like the skate interesting stories that come out of the weird world that is pro skateboarding so yeah i don't know if that answers the question sorry another long-winded one but uh, no no that was great what was the yeah. what was the uh elevator pitch for y'all sitcom by the way man like as i don't know probably cringe now but as like cliche as you can get like the little 19 year old drops out of college in san diego and like lives in a skate house or visit is vi visits a skate house of like a famous pro skater but the pro skater is kind of a pile that kind of thing 
I can't. Uh, I, yeah, right, right, it was right, so right. long ago, but it was. It, I don't know. We're call, We're gonna call it kooks. Kooks might still happen. You never know. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> shut that down too much. Uh, but we haven't. We haven't done anything with it since. But it was. It was a really fun process, and I don't know. There's something there. Yeah, it sounds. I mean, I'm interested. I. I feel like the the like up and coming skater skate house is such a, a fertile ground for storytelling. You know, whether it's on yeah. TV or in a book or whatever. And yeah. Yeah, for goofiness too, which is the, what we were going for. Yeah, I mean, so much like silly, stupid shit goes down that like if you wrote it, people would be like, "That doesn't sound real. Like you can't, you can't put that on TV. It seems fake." Totally. Yeah, and San Diego in particular because there's this like there's so there's something interesting about San Diego. It's like very broy, but it's got it's like seeped in authentic skate history. So much of the industry's there. There's like surf, surf culture and military vibes. Like there's there's a lot there to play with, you know. Totally. Yeah, I didn't think about the military aspect in the mix, but yeah, that that's got to be kind of a weird extra element that doesn't quite fit with everybody else. Yeah. Well, personally, we had a so I went to college there, but I became friends with all these skaters who'd moved down to San Diego or lived in San Diego, born born and raised San Diego kids, and. Uh, the skate house that we had before I had my own apartment uh, with like Kelly Hart, we had a skate house that was this Navy SEAL guy, Andy Arabito, who I grew up with in Napa. So it was like Navy SEAL and then like five skaters living in this house. And it was such a funny environment. Like you could, you'd like the, the mixing of like these gnarly dudes, like the gnarliest humans alive, in my opinion, Navy SEAL guys. And then all these like skate rats was just such a funny clash sometimes. So. Yeah, it's like a modern day odd couple. For sure, yeah. But he skated, so he loved it. You know, he loved being around it. I felt like it kept him uh, grounded in a certain way, you know, like going off to war and then coming back to like a bunch of stoners, just like watch skate videos in his living room. I don't know. I want to see that story arc on kooks for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, speaking of like how, you know, you can run out of steam on certain projects, all of the TV show, you're traveling, with your wife you're skating you're filming you're doing this you're doing that how do you like keep up a writing schedule to produce a novel do you have set writing times i know that's one approach like what's your approach so for me i was all over the place with my first one i felt like i would write on planes write on you know like get a little buzz and write late into the night or like whatever it was just whenever i found time for the most recent one and really for like the rewrite of Top of Mason, just first thing in the morning, I like wake up, put on some coffee, read a little bit of whatever book I'm reading and then write and just try to get up early enough to give myself time before like the real day's anxieties creep in. But yeah, that's that's kind of it. Just like try to while the brain is like still turning on, get get whatever I can in and like try to do as little reading of what I've written if I'm just like cranking through the story, you know, so I just kind of like forge through with for, for these novels and eventually, cause that takes up so much time when you're talking about like, you know, 10,000, 20, like I, right now I'm working on one. I have like 20 something thousand words and it's been a while since I've been working on it. So I'm like going back, but just reading through it is like taking forever, especially cause I'm always like fixing sentences. So yeah, yeah just first thing in the morning, just try to crank out good chunk. Even if it's, and that's the thing someone told me at one point, it's my uncle actually, and he's a great writer himself. He's like, even if it's just 10 minutes, do it. And that like got in my head because 
you can make yourself think like, oh, I can't do this writing unless I'm like focused for like five hours in a place with no distractions. But I found that comforting to hear that like, oh, even if it's 10 minutes, like it can add up, you know, it, it can help. Or yeah. one crucial little paragraph can like really make a difference. Do you, do you see any similarities like the way, you, how am I trying to approach this question even? Do you see similarities between your approach to writing at all and the way you skate or are they completely divorced or like anything there? Yeah, there's just no, I mean, it's a good question. There's similarities for sure in just the like stick with it-ness, you know, like it's really, some guys can step on a board once a month and perform miracles, but like I'm someone who needs to be constantly like on my board and feeling good to like really get stuff done. But then, you know, like I'm also with my skating and writing, like I'm not, I'm not just like doing them constantly. So I have all the time in the world to just maybe get a clip or film something or learn something. It's like, I, all right, I got two hours this, this week to like really, really skate. Like I'm going to make the best use of my time. So there's definitely that. And then I don't know. I feel like there's similarities between big projects like a novel and big projects like a video part because you're like they take years and you're constantly just like chipping away with like very small you know very small additions at all times and sometimes those additions like don't even happen even though you've worked towards the same thing like you might write 10 pages and that gets cut or you might spend three days trying a trick and not get it so there's that sort of there's definitely like that similarity but yeah just the process is like just go and do it you know force yourself to just do a little bit (laughs) um real quick last one what's more daunting in your mind right now filming another video part or writing another novel oh man that's tough because they're both like so can be so fun but can also be so demoralizing and brutal and like i'd probably say if i had a filmer who was like First of all, if I was like actually getting paid to skate and I had a filmer who was also getting paid to film and we could just go out, oh, hands down a video part for sure, because you you can just like go out and film. And I have certain tricks that like I torture myself over. But most of the time when I try to film, like, you know, it's it's like, oh, this seems approachable and fun. And it's usually misery regardless. But like at least the going into it and like the experience of it is a good time. And then the novel thing, like. I don't know. I, I, I can look at it both ways. Like it's daunt right now. I'm sort of daunted by this one that I've started. I'm like, damn, like, do I really, can I really see this through? Like, is it, is it going to work? And it's so much time, but it's like way easier on my body. <laughs> like that much. Yeah. Kind of a, uh, kind of a follow-up question here. Uh, what was your yeah. workflow like with the writing? Like there's a million different uh, word processors or writers use like Ulysses, shit like that. There's um, yeah. different book formatting software. So like, what was your workflow like as far as that goes? So I do everything on Google Docs and just have the doc right. saved offline so I can always work on it. Um, because I did find a, at one point an add-on like editor, ed- like um, spell, kind of more advanced like spell check thing that right. checks grammar a little bit better than like a word or Google Docs spell check. And then, yeah, so that's the process of writing it. Because then, because I get really anxious. And actually, my wife got so mad at me because I did at one point switch to just doing it on like a pages doc. But there's just such a risk of like your computer getting jacked or like something happening and then all that work going away. So keeping it on Google is essential because then it's like it's always there. Right. Um, And you can access it's like if I'm on my, if something happens in my laptop or I don't have it, I can like sign it on my wife's and just like 
crank out a little bit, you know? And then, but also like a lot of like pre-writing, like a lot of journaling stuff. Like I always keep a notebook and that's where I'll like basically outline a whole idea or like what I would, I would do continuously is like just summarize like bullet point style, what's going to happen. So it's kind of fresh, you know? And I don't think I ever even go back and look at it, but I, I like having that. So if I'm going to pinch, just like, all right, boom, let me just remind myself, like, give myself confidence that I have a, <laughs> have a plan for this plot, like where it's going to go and how it's going to move. And then, um, yeah, eventually I move everything back into pages. Since I'm doing this all self-published, right. I move everything back into pages and format it for, which pages is like, a, uh, is like an Apple freebie word. I don't know if you guys use that one. Mm-hmm. All right. And then... Uh, and then formatting is a, is a whole nother nightmare so that it's exported to a PDF and then, you know, click the button to, to get a book. And I owe you guys a, uh, another book because the version I sent you, I, I realized had like a, um, a uh, there was an issue with the cover. So <laughs> there's like a little white yeah. line, I think, or something. Maybe. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I did notice that. But yeah, that's, a, that's not a, a big deal. You guys are going to have to burn that shit. Dang! I have that out there. <laughs> oh yeah, I, on the side. Oh yeah, dude. I, I didn't even I didn't even notice till you just yeah. said it. But so, um, did you guys read it? I didn't expect you guys to read it, but I if I was gonna come on, I did want to have like have you at least like been able to skim through it or, or uh, get the vibe, especially because it's a you know it's a fellow podcaster, who's one of the protagonists. <laughs> yeah, I I read like seventy. I read read like seventy five pages, and I skimmed the rest. Cool. I'm in yeah, the same I'm boat. <laughs> I'm probably like 20 pages in. I'm I'm like the world's slowest reader, but I did finish Top of Mason and really enjoyed it. So I I will yeah. I will read Off Clark, and I'm excited to know that it's about a podcaster or a filmer. <laughs> or I think you said filmer at some point. I don't know. I'm I'm interested, yeah. like you know, because obviously I can identify with that. Do you want to tell the people about the book? Like, give a little plot summary or, or elevator yeah, pitch. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, so it's, it's one, one character is a filmer. One character is a budding podcaster. She's like a reporter who works at sort of like a bigger radio station, essentially. And then uh, there's like a pro skater who's kind of a, I describe him as like a, if, if a Kenny Reed meets Wes Kramer in the 2010s, like <laughs> no Instagram, but like constantly traveling. And he's sort of aloof, um, but he's just found that niche of, of like being the skater that just is like always on a, trip and no one really knows where he's at and he has a romance with this woman in chicago he's from he's from the uk and he brings this filmer who's american to chicago and they get into some serious shit with uh with a situation that is inspired from a real life story that happened to my friend michael mackrot he was confronted by a cia agent who suspected him of not really being just a pro skater and so that was sort of my inspo to kick off a story that draws from my experiences traveling and skating and pro skating sort of in the international sense and uh, this situation that happened to him. So it's fun read. It's like easy read. There's a lot of dialogue. It like moves pretty quickly. And so that's, yeah, that's how I'd pitch it to a, to a non-listener as if they're, if they're interested. And my whole goal has just been to, you know, there doesn't, there aren't books that there are some novels that have skateboarding as a part of the story I feel like they tend to be a little bit more coming of age type stories. Whereas I like, I like the weird stuff that comes out of skateboarding, especially the industry, especially 
pro skating that is just this weird career that nobody really like quite understands. And that's been my, I, I just feel like those, there aren't stories that really exist. I really don't like most of the times it's been presented in television and, and uh, movies. So I've just been wanting to crank out a couple stories that hopefully people can enjoy. So yeah, this is the second one. It's called Off Clark. It takes place mostly in Chicago, but also in the Middle East. And yeah, hope you guys, uh, hope it cap- captures your um, interest enough to, to finish it. <laughs> yeah, why, um, why Chicago? Because were you just inspired by like going there to skate? Because there was like a shitload of detail as far as the spots there go and shit like that. Yeah, Mo yeah, got so that the- line at First Nash. I could tell just from First Nash. Just descriptions, man. (laughs) Well, so the first novel I wrote takes place entirely in San Francisco. And I grew up in Napa and San Francisco is like the city, you know, it's just like an hour, hour and a half away. And that's where I spend a lot of time. And uh, it's very important to me. And I feel like I know it fairly well. I've lived there. Chicago, I don't know at all. And I just wanted it sort of as a challenge to write a story about a place that I don't know. But do know from a skateboarding visiting perspective, like I have visited randomly and um, that's what the main characters do in this book. They just, they're, they're, they're both there basically for the first time to try to film a skate edit. So that was kind of like why, but also the situation my friend Misha got in happened in Chicago. So I wanted there to be some sort of authenticity there. And I was thinking like, cause I, I just love this idea that a skater visiting a city is, you know, you go to all these federal buildings or government buildings constantly over and over and over and over again, you get kicked out. And like to a, you know, maybe suspicious national security interest, that's a little weird. Like, what is this person doing? Like constantly going back, back to this building. And I thought like in a major American, like coastal American city, like that'd be a little bit hard. It would be unrealistic that that would like, kept, like, Red, be a red flag to somebody but i thought maybe in a more you know midwestern or central american city it would be more likely and again i'm not giving away too much this this is meant to happen early on in the book it sort of kickstarts the plot and uh yeah i just thought hey chicago's perfect and i i had a um a couple things happen to me in chicago that were very well, i'm looking for the word not influential just memorable when i was young and so yeah, I just thought it'd be fun to sort of draw from that. And it's a great, it's a great city. And I this is like talking about it too much, but hey, I'm here. And I, uh, I was really tired like two hours ago, but I just charged a, an espresso. And so now I'm a little fired up. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> but uh, all I didn't realize until going back this spring that like all, all the main spots are on one street, Clark Street. And I just thought that was kind of amazing. Like, I mean, there's others, of course, but like the the four you think of if you're not from Chicago and you, you think of Chicago, they're basically like all off Clark Street, which I just thought was cool. And the first book is called Top of Mason. It's all about Mason Street in San Francisco or it, it draws around the story draws around that street. And so I just thought, hey, maybe that'll be my theme. I'll just write these little skate adventure stories and like have, you know, a street be part of the part of the story as a character in a sense. So, yeah. That's why Chicago. <laughs> the um, the fact that you said uh, it seems plausible that could happen in a Midwest city here in Minneapolis right after 9-11. It was probably that October. We had a spot lit up under one of the main bridges over the Mississippi in town. Mm-hmm. Apparently the mayor of Minneapolis drove over the bridge, saw the floodlights, and we got a visit from um, the deputy chief of police of Damn. Minneapolis. 
to come kick us out on the mayor's order. So damn, yeah, um, I could see it happening, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun reading your books and kind of like I feel like I know you better than I know any other author that I've ever read. You know, because I know you through your skate career and everything, and I feel like I like I can picture you as the main character in Top of Mason, and I I don't picture you as the the main character in Off Clark, but I do kind of picture like um, who's the the murderer pro skater who's the murderer in Off Clark. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the Gator story, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and I'm like, oh, that's Gator with, like, maybe a little bit of Nyjah thrown in. It's, it's <laughs> kind of fun. disclaimer to... in the front of the book. <laughs> yeah, no characters, yeah. No, it's definitely drawn from a little bit from the Gator. I wouldn't throw Nyjah into that category. I feel like it's it's been it's been rough for Nyjah because each each book has had a... Um, rough for Nyjah, I take that back. It's just It's been funny hearing from readers because they instantly draw the the like superstar pro skater to Nyjah because he is that guy of our time you know but and I you know of course well hey it's they take place in a fictional 20 uh you know teens Nyjah's the guy like why not picture him there um but yeah I'm really trying to create like total composite characters that don't exist in real life but do draw from you know the people who are are out there and exist and um yeah it's interesting with the with the top of mason character because i really tried to draw i really tried to make him as well it's it's i can't remove myself from the character but i try to let the character do all the things that i don't do or wouldn't do in his situation and so i tried to make him as like not like me as possible there's a lot of decision making that he makes that I I just wouldn't be bold enough to do to make like uh, smoking crack in San Francisco and bombing it's, the scariest hills and doing a whole number of other things that like I just <laughs> I'm not gonna do uh, but I'll have fun imagining um, this character Henry doing. It's funny you bring up the smoking crack because when I was reading it I was like has Walker Ryan smoked crack? I don't know. And <laughs> yeah, I, and my. My mom got all kinds of questions too. So they're, 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 like the bop, the book has been kind of popular with like the uh, um, sixteen age, sixteen up uh, women's age group. I found it's pretty awesome. But a lot of the friends of my mom's who who read it were, were like, "So when did Walker did walk?" Like not sure how to ask like when my crack phase was. You know, she's like, "No, it's fiction. Come on!" Like, um, yeah, so that's been pretty funny. Like, obviously it's fiction, but I think because, like I was saying, like, I know you through your career and, like, I can picture you so well and, like, know what your voice sounds like and everything. And it's like, you wrote this book, so my brain is just like, oh, Walker's the narrator. Walker's the character. Right. Just, like, I just put you in the book because it's so easy. And, like, yeah, yeah, I'm too lazy to, to come up with a composite for who Henry yeah. maybe is. Yeah. For, um... For Off Clark, the main character, I kind of visualized like a Tom Knox, okay, yeah, Kenny, Kenny Reed type of guy with like all the, like you know the British like in it, yeah, you know, but he's still like charismatic and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Well, charmer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, do we want to get back to the video part? That's uh th- probably the most exciting thing in skateboarding uh, this week is probably that video part. There's a lot of uh, really crazy skating in there. I Thank guess. you. Uh, yeah uh what should we start with uh, well 
let's start with that switch 360 flip. I mean, a switch 360 flip is kind of um, a signature trick for you, but this one especially um, interesting because you did it at the courthouse, and then at the very end, it's revealed that Tyshawn and Cater were there watching. Like, what was that session like? <laughs> Dude, so that session was that was a, the most spontaneous session I've ever I've ever had. So I wanted to do switch tray into that thing for a while, but that thing is terrifying to stand up and look down and imagine going into, especially now that they have the barriers set up. Uh, because any stick and fall forward, you're not just like falling off this head high drop. You're like potentially getting sacked on a set of barriers. <laughs> like you can't move that thing close enough to the ledge to not like still have it be a threat. So it's just scary. And like I was actually with uh, Carl Aikens one time when he almost did it. And uh, it was kind of like, oh, I want to do it, too. He's like, oh, let's try it together. And I'm like, no, it's too cold because it was like 35 <laughs> degrees. Um, and he went for it. He like stuck. One. He broke his board. I can't remember what happened. He might have even made it down to the bottom. And I was always sort of like, oh, like I wanted him to just do it that day so I could just like get it out of my head. And I would hit him up occasionally, like, you're going to do it? He's like, no, dude, I'm off it, I'm off it. I'm like, you sure? Because I want to do it if you're not going to do it. And so he was like, no, no, no I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So I started trying it. And I would never try it that seriously. I would never, like, call out the session. Like, all right, I'm courthouse today. Let's get it. It would just be like, Mark Suchu's trying a trick into it. And so, like, I'll try with him, you know, or, like, that, that kind of thing. And that spot, you, you guys know, you guys have all skated in New York, I assume, right? Yeah. Yeah, never like, skated in the courthouse, though. You've never seen it? No, never even seen it. Okay, so it's at this like it's it feels like all roads sort of lead to this park. I'm blanking on what it's called, but it's like um, it's where Blubba is, and they said there used to be the little bump to can there, and there was just like it's it takes you into Wall Street downtown zone, like financial district, sort of from Soho. So it's just like this, and and then right down the street from that that park where people skate over the rail, like and grind down it, and there's like I think it's Columbus Park. It's basically like this hub so you're just always passing by it so you can always just pop up and be like hmm, maybe i'm feeling it today and so that day i was actually working on a documentary with patrick walner we're but like on the director's side like we're filming this kid uh jiro and i wanted to go there just to get like a portrait shot of him so we're hanging out and he's like dinking around because we're starting to skate afterwards and this dude kyoto rolls up and puts down like that little sign and does like crooked grind yanking, you know, into the courthouse, into the drop. He like sets a little, it's hard to explain. It's like a sign that's been torn out. He like puts it on its Oh, like one top. of those, uh, they're usually green. One of those things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Sign post, I should say. So he does, he, he, I'm like watching him just do this trick and lights all epic. And I'm like, Pat, we're here right now. Like I'm going to come back and film this switch tray, but let's get a photo right now because like it's the light <laughs> is so cool. So I go up there and start posing a photo just to like have it in the bank. Cause that's the thing with that spot. Like I don't want to call out the session and bring a photographer, bring a filmer and then like not do it and waste everybody's day. So I'm like, I'll have the photo in the bank and come back and film it some other time. So I'm up there flinging them out. And uh, all of a sudden this dude has sort of like lurked his way up to the top and is like looking off the end. I'm like, oh my God, that's Julian Stranger. Like, what the fuck what? is he doing here? <laughs> and so Julian is like, I'm like, yo, Julian, what's up? And he's like, oh, how's it going? How's it going? I'm like, yo, thanks for all the love you've been giving my friend Austin or Austin Campush because he's pro for anti here now. And that's like one of my best friends. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. 
uh, Austin's win. And then um, my Patrick yells like, wait, when's the best time to shoot the switch tray? Like catching it or flicking it? And Julian looks at me, he's like, yo, that switch? You got to get that. And then like roll, walks <laughs> off. And I look over and it's just like the whole anti-hero crew with, when they're shooting the Supreme thing. So it's like the Supreme oh, yeah. and the whole anti-crew. So like I'm like looking across the street like Cardiel and BA and they're all just like sitting there. And I'm like, fuck, I got to really try this thing yeah, out. Yeah, like a couple of uh, like okay skaters. <laughs> yeah, just, a, just a few. Um, all right. Not yeah. like dudes I grew up idolizing or anything. So I'm like, Pat, let's just film it. I, I think I could just do it, you know? And uh, I, you know, get into like a two hour long battle or it probably wasn't that long, but it was like an hour and a half, you know, and like they're just all fucking waiting there. And I really was just kind of waiting for them to like leave because I was like, I didn't want to just like bitch out and walk down, you know, when I'm kind of like coming close. But there's something about actually committing to that trick that's just so terrifying there. It feels like you're like four stories up because you're out of your periphery. There's like death drops. So, yeah, just peer pressure dude landed it and um i come to find like they were all just waiting probably because i think tyshawn wanted to do something but he wanted to like bring a can up there you know so like they were i was <laughs> just holding up i was just holding up the session is basically what ended up going down <laughs> no it sounds like you were putting on a show <laughs> there it was yeah i was putting on a show every every skater has that instinct to just like you know do a one-man demo <laughs> did, did you put a couple down and then like not make the second drop or I, i'm just imagining doing anything into that bank and then being like shit 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 until like mm-hmm. you're rolling away on the ground is yeah like i the first few times i went i only rolled down and off the bank once and i wasn't like my feet weren't in position to like take the kink the kink of the bank mm-hmm. so i was just mostly pitching out you know just like kicking away and then sometimes like sticking and sliding, if that makes sense, because mm. you're kind of skating it. You have to skate at this. You have to land at this perfect angle to take the kink off to clear the barriers. Yep. So a lot of times I'd under rotate and kind of like stick and power slide. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yep. there was a lot of that. And then a, probably like three or four where I stuck, rolled off, but my shoulders weren't right. I was like too locked in or something. And so I couldn't. I just like kicked away and those are heartbreaking because you think like, all right, well, all you got to do is just like land into this little bank. It's actually pretty mellow. The drop is not actually that tall, like into the bank and then just like just go off a drop. <laughs> so I got really lucky that the first one I could, I tried to land, I rolled away from. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's my long story. But if it wasn't for Julian Stranger and John Cardiel, there's no way I would have done it that day. And I probably wouldn't have done it period because i left on a trip like three days later and didn't come back until like september and that's a tough spot to get yourself hyped up to skate so shout out julian stranger <laughs> well i'll just ask about the other banger i think you, you you said on twitter for the switch switch backside 360 kickflip that you'd been trying that for like 10 years yeah one place or another yeah yeah like, not on that set um yeah. but like that's the white whale I've been chasing like my whole <laughs> my whole life as a skateboarder. I did it off a wedge, like a mellow bank going up in Thailand for my going pro part. Like I did a switchback three kick flip, kind of sketchy, but it like happened. But a wedge really helps you because you're just like you get to throw it and it launches for you. But I felt like the true all right, I have this trick is doing it down like a proper stair set. So 
after that part, I was filming for my transworld part, and I came super close to doing it in Barcelona. I think they even put it in the credits. I think it was like a seven stair. Stuck it and just like slipped out. But I stuck it a bunch. Like I'll com- always commit to that trick. And then it was just one of those things. I tried pretty much like every video part afterwards. Never with the dedication I gave to that Brick 9 set. But like I would always throw it out there and I could just never, I could never roll away from one. I did do one at the barracks, but you know, like you got to do one in the streets to make it, to make it real. And then, yeah, I just, it became this like kind of, I don't know. It's like, I've never had a trick that I come so close to every time I try it. Like there's hopeless battles that skaters put themselves through all the time. But this one I would like stick within 10 tries and then it would just be hours of sticking and not rolling away and it would you know that i probably had like five or six sessions like that where i stuck like 50 times you know like it was out of it was insane and with a nines there you can kind of go longer than if it was like a bigger set because it's really and that's a small nine it's like a cali nine so you can kind of like go longer than you would ordinarily like trying a stair trick and it was just one of those battles that like became so like what the first one time i'll I tried for like four hours straight. I could count the tries because I have like a tripod angle of every attempt. And like, it was my birthday. It was my 34th birthday. And I was like thinking like, oh, I'll give myself a birthday present. I'll do my dream trick and have this party at our house. And like, I was so fucked up. Like I'd broken two boards, like a, tr- a truck. My back was super tweaked. And I was like physically ill for like the rest of the day. I had to cancel my birthday party. I was like, nah, I can't. I just got to lie in bed and like wallow. Like I was fucked up. And it was, um, so yeah, those were the kind of battles. It was just like emotionally and physically. And then, um, yeah, one day, like I just got, a, I got away with it. It was a miracle. Couldn't believe it. Did you have a party? I didn't. I did kind of, yeah. Jack Fardell had been one of my main cheerleaders and we went and had some beers, but you know, never got to have that birthday party. There you go. So is, uh, is New York your current base of operations or whatever? There's, sort of some, there's footage from all over in this part, but... Definitely a shit ton of New York footage. Yeah, so my wife and I moved there in 2019, November 2019. She works for a company that's based there, right. and she took a new role, so we moved there. Pandemic kind of threw everything off um, because everyone went remote. So we were able to keep our the apartment we're renting in Soho, but we have been able to sublet it kind of constantly. Right, yeah, of course. So, yeah, we live there, but we've only really, like, lived there the last three years like a total of probably a year (laughs) like three or four months at a time we had kind of a big window this past fall but uh yeah it's like the current base but we are sort of all over the place right now we're in uh northern california where i grew up and we're here for a couple months gosh yeah it seemed like you were on a entire summer vacation from instagram uh so was she just working from from the hotels and stuff like that yeah so we figured out that like the Mediterranean or Europe is like pretty ideal for the work remotely from a New York or East Coast uh, time zone because like we would. Yeah. So 2021, we went to Europe for like three months. We like did the exact 90 day Euro uh, visa, Shenzhen visa that we could do. And yeah, I think she only took like a week to maybe two weeks off. Like we worked every day. And I was on her schedule because I was I had just launched this thing um, with Dr. Kyle Brown, like a fitness Patreon thing. So I was just like working the same hours that she was just like churning content, basically, uh, a lot of editing. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's ideal because you, you wake up, you know, ideally like stones throw from, <laughs> from the Mediterranean, go for a swim, have a long lunch, and then around three or four, it's nine o'clock in New York and you just work till midnight. So it's like you get to, you get to sort of like live two lives. Like, it's perfect. And since we weren't paying rent in New York, someone was subletting our apartment, we just like, you know, find these cool little Airbnbs all over the place and you're basically paying less. <laughs> So that was how we that was how we worked it. This past summer, we took she took a little more time off, and we tried to give ourselves like a no work like no work on the computer, uh, little you know vacation. You know, we went on vacation with with uh, Patrick Walner and his wife at, at, as a part of it, and Patrick just like loves to make create videos and and uh, you know that's what led to to this one basically. Um, he's just too too eager and too talented not to like make something out of even a, a holiday with uh, our wives. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that quarter pipe spot at the beginning, that's somewhere in the Mediterranean, right? I think I've seen that before. Yeah, Sicily. Right, and that right. was so lucky. We we just rent, we rented a super random Airbnb in Catania and it was two blocks away. No, so shit. cool. <laughs> yeah. Did you skate any of those? Like, I think there are a bunch of like ledge plazas in sicily and shit i mean i want we wanted to but i was actually so hurt this past summer like i had a really bad back strain oh shit some kind of sciatic thing going on um so i was like out so i didn't the time we were together in sicily i really didn't get to skate that much there was only like three days that i was i, I just forced it through but man some of those i was so excited to go to some of those plazas they look so good it's a good excuse to go back yeah, yeah, for sure. Sis I highly recommend Sicily. I'm not the biggest fan of Italy. I've been a bunch of times and never like had the best experience. I still think Greece is by far the best country in the Med if you're trying to go in the summer. If you can go to some of those islands, like I swear it's like half the price of like some of the other countries. The food I think is way better and just the people are wonderful. But yeah, Sicily is is really cool. I was very hyped. That sounds like the vacation recommendation, especially island-wise. And I'm, I feel like I've gleaned from your Instagram that swimming is of utmost importance. Skate-wise, any not not to give up any secrets, really, but um, you've been a lot of places. What, what what comes most highly recommended that maybe we don't think of? Just as like a skate destination. Yeah. So top of mind is copenhagen just because i still haven't skated there yet <laughs> i've been and i want to so it's like i'm i'm more thinking about the places i haven't been that i've or i have been but i haven't really skated like this summer i was hurt so mm -hmm. i wasn't able to be there and skate and like utilize just this amazing way the city's incorporated all these like cool spots it just seems wonderful but it's so it's really expensive but there's a great lifestyle going on there and props to everyone who made, helped make that city uh so skatable but then there's just like i mean i early t 2010s you know china some of those chinese cities were so cool but they culturally like weren't that exciting like i really liked shanghai actually shanghai was so sick beijing shenzhen they were a little sleepier hmm. or just like I, I mean this is coming from like a western perspective so shanghai i feel like had a bigger like expat community or is like a little bit more like I don't know, like Western friendly, if that makes any sense. Whereas like some of the other cities in China, while they're great for skating, they have these like insane plazas that go on forever and marble wonderland. Or they're not necessarily like, oh, let's go out to bars or like, let's go eat. Like it's it's a less accessible feeling. 
I don't know if I'd recommend China now. I don't really know what it's like. I feel like I heard reports that like these days you chip a ledge, like they got so many CCD, CCTV cameras or, you know, surveillance that they'll just like show up at your hotel with a ticket, <laughs> like wow. track you down. But, uh, you know, again, like I really had a good experience in Brazil. I loved Brazil, but I was hurt on that trip too. So I, did, I feel like cheated. I feel like I didn't really get to skate as much as I, I would have wanted to. It was, uh, but, and I, and since, and it was pre World Cup and Olympics. So I feel like a lot of development happened since. And Rio is an even better city now than it was when I went. But I think Rio is hands down one of the coolest cities you can go to in the world. And then um, New York is the best skate city in the world, in my opinion. I'm shaking my head. Terrible, terrible podcast behavior, but I'm like agreeing. Okay, good. good <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Uh, speaking of New York, I got a couple of spot questions. So you skated the Brick Nine for your Ender, but there, there was like kind of a, a whole section of stuff at the Brick Nine. Was that something that you kind of were you like, I want to do a little little section at this spot, or it just kind of happened to come together that way? Yeah, I just that Brick Nine set. I always thought it was like the biggest bus. Or when I've been there before, mostly people want to skate the over rail. It's like you get the security guards that come out and they're so used to skaters and not patient. And it's like a place I would just avoid. Like, I don't want to bother with that place. And the last, maybe it was COVID. Maybe it was just like two years, two years, like before, little after COVID. Like they've gutted the building. So it's like no one cares if you skate there. So we would end up there a lot and it was just like holy shit there's like the nine stair there's the over the nine there's like a little wooden rail on the side there's like this other like tall ledge drop there's a rail there's just it's like a skate park it's like a kind of like a video game type of setting like it literally would feel like you're in tony hawk pro skater if you could like get into the building and see this like <laughs> gutted you know massive the base uh you know like bottom floor of a skyscraper and so i totally would just felt like oh man i got a line here i got a line here i can do a line here so i had like a much more involved idea like i wanted basically like a little mini part just at that spot to show all the different ways you could skate it mm -hmm. but i got stuck on this like switchback three kickflip basically <laughs> so i didn't get to do the rest of it but i uh i don't know i love the idea of doing like a switch big flip nollie big flip nollie 360 kickflip switchback 360 kickflip like the way those tricks all sort of like derived from the same motion mm -hmm. and uh that was sort of the main idea and i wanted to do a lot more but um yeah it just yeah i was i was happy with it as it was i wanted to get a couple more tricks over that rail and i wanted to skate the little wooden seven rail um but yeah i'll take it this is the switch back to kickflip is the best trick i've ever done in my life i could die happy knowing i <laughs> <laughs> got that one i'm cool with it um but it's a great spot and like if if you look it's you know it's where tyshawn did that tray flip which i thought was just like a, a rumor that had been what's it called telephone mm -hmm. you know the game of telephone right. where it's like oh yeah i saw him trying this and then it turns into someone saying they were he was trying like a backflip off something i was like there's no way he's trying to tray flip that like it's impossible like it's been one one time it's been ollied and like that's it because it's just terrifying. And then, yeah, he did that. So there's, there's that spot there too, but I was not thinking of skating that. I appreciate you posting the photo from the top. That's like, gives good context to, you know, what that 360 flip really was, you know, more than just like a flat gap with a drop. Yeah, because like, I, 
I would go there every weekend basically. So I would always look at it. And I feel like once I heard he'd done it, I was like, dude, nobody's going to know. Hopefully they filmed it like multi angles and, and showed the, the risk. I want to know what it looked like for him to bail or slam. Cause the thing that's really freaky about that is not just the throwdown with the death drop on the, on his backside, but like if you stick in any way, that's not right. Or even just like trip, you're like rolling off a head high drop in like four feet. Like there's not much room to save yourself. So I don't understand how he could propel himself across the gap with that much speed and then not like potentially fall forward off a head high drop. Like it's so crazy that he did that. And it hasn't even been kickflip. Like an Australian dude, Ollie did it like 20 years ago or something. Or I don't know if that long ago, but it was in a Habitat video. But then, um, yeah. That's just the skate nerd in me. I was like, dude, no one's going to appreciate how psycho this is. Like, I'll post this on my story <laughs> or on Twitter, I think. Well, I, I appreciated it because, I don't know, I'm, I'm a nerd like you. Like, I just want to know more and more and more about yeah. everything. You know, that's kind of what we're doing here. Another uh, trick question. This was not in the part, which I was kind of surprised about. The, uh, at Pyramid Ledge, the backside nose grind, nollie frontside flip out. That was like... You just posted it to Instagram, which to me, I was like, God, like, what's he not posting to Instagram? Like, what, what's your what's your <laughs> calculus on something like that? Like, you've got a banger, and, you know, I guess you're kind of like, what do I do with it? Do I save it for the part? Do I post it? Do I, I don't know. I don't know what else you could do with it. Yeah, I. that's funny. Like, I did not expect that trick to get so well received. I went there semi-reluctantly basically the other day to skate with Frankie Spears. He had a trick he wanted to try on Pyramid Legend, but he's like going, goes back repeatedly for his tricks and it's cold in New York, like right now. And I was like, dude, I was, I was literally leaving my house, like about to go grocery shopping. And he's like, yo, going to Pyramid Ledge, you want to come? And I, I told him I would like go to hype him up. I'm like, yeah, I'll come. So I go there and I just start skating it to hype him up. Cause like, it's always nice when someone's skating with you and to like keep my toes from freezing. Mm-hmm. And then um, that spot's scary. Like I, no one talks about the fact that there's this like metal gate right there. Like if you kind of slipped out wrong, like you could totally get like impaled on that thing. Like I don't, that's, that spot freaks me out, but nose grinds are really comfortable. And I don't know, even though Matt was there like filming with the real camera, I just thought it'd be, I was just like, don't, no, don't film it with the real camera. Let's just film with the iPhone. He kind of agreed. He was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Tricks. It was just a weird thing. It was like, no, no, just let's just film it for, for iPhone. Let's just iPhone this because I don't really think it's that cool. And I had all these Nolly frontside flips out already. Like I had a manual at, at this spot that I really liked off a tall drop. It seemed a little too similar. I didn't want to like have too many of the same motion in one part. So I was just, like i don't know it's filming on instagram and yeah it's kind of funny that it like did well probably probably more views are going to end up on that one trick than my entire video part (laughs) (laughs) which is just such a weird reality of of the internet these days but um yeah Uh, and i honestly almost didn't even post it because i didn't like the way i did it (laughs) speaking of uh (laughs) calculus what's your like equation for skating in the cold or like determining how cold is too cold Man, wind factor, obviously. Like, if it's a windy day and it's sub-30, sub like, fuck that. But as long as you're, like, making sure you're hitting spots that are, like, pretty sunny and you stay moving, like, you know, I'll, I'll get pretty low. I'm, like, 
not born and raised East Coast. I'm from Northern California, which like it's been raining like crazy. And I've been telling my wife, like, yeah, this is like, what uh, it's like. This is like this is our winters. And she's like, man, these are like this is like a warm fall. Like this is not a winter. <laughs> but so I don't know winters, you know, so it's still there's a novelty novelty element of like, oh, let's just do it. It's fun. <laughs> The, the issue I have that I still haven't really like mastered is just like losing your toes. Like, what do you fucking do about your toes once they're gone? There's like almost nothing. And so I try to roll with like extra socks. So I like if I do skate a little bit and then I know I'm going to be chilling, I don't keep the wet socks on, you know, if that makes yeah, any yeah. sense. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. idea. Same Dude. with shirts. Like I just keep shirts on me. We, we preach this or Mike and I preach this on the podcast pretty regularly, but wool. Dude, it'll keep you warm even if it's wet and it's got like natural like sweat wicking antimicrobial like you're not gonna get as stinky in the wool like get yourself yeah. some wool socks and a wool t-shirt like a merino wool t-shirt yeah wool shirt yeah wool's wool's essential but i mean like the uh the thing i want to try that i haven't done yet because in skate shoes wool socks are not like you're gonna lose your toes you know i really want to try like rolling out in boots like good ll bean boots that i got right now and only putting on the skate shoes when i'm gonna skate you know like that's what i want to try because the reality of a skate session if you have like a full day is like sometimes you're gonna be chilling and when you're chilling your toes you lose your toes Mm -hmm. so yeah that's been my calculus recently but the bigger calculus is just like leave (laughs) yeah what what are they they just came out with some like half cab timberlands or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah they skate some of those shits I, I thought you, you were going to say the, um, well, there's hand warmer packs, but you can also put them in your boots, like those little like chemical bags. Yeah, yeah. I always think about those, but I never actually use them. Yeah. Them. Yeah, the uh, the sun thing is is key in the winter, because like, I don't know if you ever skated Pulaski over here. I'm like relatively close to it. And like yeah. in, the, in the winter, in the evening, it's like 100% in shadow, and it's like 30 degrees Damn. colder than like mm-hmm. everywhere else. Damn, that's rough. That's like... Yeah, what you got to avoid. And that's the thing that's so rough about semi trying to go on filming missions is like knowing you're going to get bring the homie to a shady spot where he's going to have to stand there. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. oh, I hate doing it. And that Brick Nine's one of those spots. Like, if it's cold and you're making the filmer stand in one place, like, it's pretty, it's, there's no sun. It's just so blocked by buildings, like, which is great for filming because you don't have that like light contrast thing, but it's like so cold. So, yeah, it's tricky. I don't know how you guys... You guys are pretty much all hard-worn winter folk, right? I guess Portland's pretty tame. Yeah, I mean, our winter is just like rain and stuff. But I, yeah. I grew up in North Carolina, so I know about some fucked-up cold winters, too. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm in Minneapolis. We got... It was last week. 15 inches of snow, like the most in a couple of years. And yeah, my struggle is... Templeton, I can't skate in wool socks. They're like too slippery or something. So I got to do the Hanes cotton in my, mm-hmm. my struggle right now is I've got good boots, but the struggle is making it from my house to the indoor park before my toes get cold. Right. Cause yeah. like the, the, the point of no return is very distinct and one it's, it's mm-hmm. like a black hole. There's no coming back. There isn't. I don't know how. Yeah. No one talks about it enough. You know, well, you guys got to lean into that misery so everyone else can, can feel your pain a little bit more. You know, there needs to be like a, meme translation i feel like it's just this silent suffering that you all do yeah i feel like portland pretty it does a good job of talking about how shitty it is here <laughs> yeah you guys are pretty whiny yeah everybody knows <laughs> everybody knows it's raining here in the winter time yeah. that's the thing it's like 
rain is like an extra, you know, like, oh, it's so it's like could be warm enough if it weren't just raining. Like the cold's a little different. I mean, snow, of course, is a whole nother matter. But like when it's just beautiful but cold, it's so frustrating because you're just like, oh, my God, like this would be perfect if it was just 10 degrees warmer. I would just like have the, gr the greatest day. But you're just yeah, like, that, that's, uh, that's what we call that's what we call a fake nice. It's a fake nice day out. Yeah, there you go. Either, either that or it's like in springtime, but it's just like windy as fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, should we Listening. wrap this up? Yeah. What else no. we got? Anything Any you want other? us to cover, uh, Walker? Yeah, anything we didn't ask you that you were hoping we'd bring up? No, I've been really hyped to be on the pod. I mean, I'm a big fan of, of what you guys do and how consistently you put out Hell yeah. podcasts. Like it's so... Like I said, all the all the stuff I've been doing with Dr. Kyle Brown, we basically signed up for like, and this was during the pandemic too, so it was easier because he was working from home. I was like trapped in a cabin in the woods. And uh, we just, you know, we were like weekly content, like either a podcast or like a fitness video every week. And um, we did it for like a year. And then it kind of like, actually like probably like a year and a half straight of like, almost putting out something every week which was i was very proud of but it burned me out and so just doing something even just editing a podcast is like takes a lot of work and time so props to you guys for for doing that and being consistent with it thanks thank you thanks yeah. so i guess and that is one thing i would want to shout out is just this uh this project i've been working on with with dr kyle brown he's a physical therapist skater who i grew up with one of my best friends and we have built a uh started with patreon but we've now built a website that bas basically breaks down how to rehab from like every common skate injury that's out there and most of the content we put out initially through patreon as just like bulk long videos but we've kind of broken each one down into like a la carte exercises and ways to sort of build your own little programs and um that has been like a big project that i'm very happy to see through because there's just not a lot of information out there for skaters about how to like at home rehab or strengthen to come back from specific injuries or to avoid specific injuries. And we're talking like the minor ones that like the Achilles tendinopathy or the shin splints or mm. the plantar fasciitis, the ones that just are kind of nagging and like come with age. And so even though I am not, you know, a physical therapist in any way, he has designed and have curated all the programs and I've just edited and, and built out the content. And the podcasts are really like the, the meatiest because he puts a lot of time into compiling a list of questions that he gets asked the most by skaters and patients. And then, or about like, like the research behind how he treats certain conditions. And it's just been really fulfilling to like finish this project of putting it all out there and having it one place and having it a place that can live can live and is pretty easily searchable. So that's um that's been a big thing I've been working on lately that I'm happy to have finished. And where is this? Where can people find this? Uh, oldfriendsandco.com. It's like an old friends fitness separate website that I haven't like fully launched yet. I've built it out, but I need to fine tune a couple things. But that that'll be coming out soon. So sick. Well, people will probably start checking it out when they hear about yeah, it. You know, yeah, January is when the, everyone kicks into gear that little uh, New Year's resolution fitness program, <laughs> right? So if you need something yeah, for man. skating that's like uh, pretty basic, I mean, it's a lot of resistance bands work and it's a lot of just kind of squat, quad type stuff you can do at home. But um, 
Yeah, it's crucial. Shit. Well, be stoked to check that out. Which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Walker, what are you stoked on this week? So this week I am stoked to be home in Napa, California, St. Helena specifically, where I grew up, where we are getting pummeled with rain. It's weird because I thought, I mean, the last 10 years we just haven't got, we just like didn't really have rainy winters anymore. And it's sort of weird. Awesome because you can skate, but bad because we're just, it leads to so many other problems. So it's nice to get dumped on with rain. Um, I know it's leading to other problems all over the place. So there are issues, but it's good that we're finally getting some rain here in California. And yeah, I'm stoked on, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised by a little video I watched today. Let me pull it up. I don't want to butcher the guy's name. Name's Levon Conkin, a St. Loser's short. It was so steezy. VX edit. I'm assuming filmed in like the St. Louis area, but dude's got steez. And it's it's kind of rare these days that uh, you stumble on someone that seems like a grown-ass man that you've never seen their footage before, unless he's had just like a total makeover. And I didn't recognize him but um yeah he has a really cool little video part so go watch that sick uh mike what are you stoked on this week so i'm stoked this week on uh new ice skates for me and i bought hockey sticks for me and the kid uh i know we were just talking about weather but here in minneapolis it's been like a bearable about 31 degrees most days so it's been pretty oh that, that's uh, tropical for y'all it, it's insane how like cold it can be in january but the uh, mental health is surviving right now so yeah, 31's pretty good. Stoked on ice skating right now. Watch the movie Tar. If you haven't seen that, it's pretty interesting. And then um, some more Midwest skateboarding. I, I'm stoked on the Chicago skate flick aptly titled OK, We're Leaving. Um, and a guy named Vince Gazaldo, who um, I know I've brought this trick up before, but the front nose, <laughs> Nolly Hill Fakey, um, he does a cool one on a planter in Chicago. So check out that video. It's on YouTube. What'd you think? Of, what'd you think of tar? I went in just kind of like knowing what I knew about it on Twitter and people found the character controversial. I liked it for the slow burn. I liked the, you know, the long takes and yeah, it was one of those movies and this is a weird bar to measure it by, but you know, I watched it after everybody, you know, at night I went in and brushed my teeth. And like mm. the act of brushing my teeth and all the like having watched all the detail in that film and then brushing my teeth, I was kind of like, whoa, brushing my teeth. That's a physical <laughs> act. That's interesting. So it had like that effect on me. I, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I watched that. Went to see that. The first movie I've been to in the theater um, since the pandemic. But uh, it was it's incredible. Um, but Todd Field is actually a, a pretty good family friend. He wrote and directed it. Wow. Yeah. Grew up. Um, Kind of playing with his, uh, I was like friends with his kid as a as a kid. And um, have you seen his movie Little Children, the last film he did? I have not. I'm not sure what I've seen of his. He's only has three feature films: um, In the Bedroom, Little Children, and Tar. Um, but I'm actually in Little Children as a skater. <laughs> if you want to go peek oh, that, yeah. it's like the funniest little cameo. And it's, but it's a really, uh, aside from my little speaking lines, like you got to peep that um, film because it's, it's epic or it's just a really, it's, it's really cool. But he's, uh, he's an awesome dude. So I'm glad you liked Tar. Yeah. Fantastic. I, okay. That's, that's a good detail we just got. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Jason, what are you stoked on this? Stoked on Venture Trucks out of uh, San Francisco, California. Also stoked on that video. Okay, we're leaving. Um, Chicago has a lot of juice right now, I think. There's like events, Nick Matthews, of course. They got the new uh, shop over there. So, yeah, they're doing big things. That little um, shop that just opened up? Yeah, some skate shop. Um, <laughs> l- little mom and pop operation. Um, There's also that book that takes place there. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, Chicago. Right Chicago is hot right now. Doing, yeah. Doing it. <laughs> Really after doing it. Um, also stoked on a little video out of Marseille. Um, that guy Vince Capillo and all those boys over there got a video called Fashion Modain. Don't know what that means in French, but it's a sick video, a lot of good spot porn and whatnot. That's uh, definitely a kind of Mediterranean vibe. And Yo, also- back. Oh, go. No, go ahead. Just back to your question uh, about skate de- city destinations. Marseille is super underrated. I feel like I went there last summer. Cause we were just along that part of we were cruising around that zone in France and like only got a day skating there. We stayed there for a couple of days, but man, it is sick. And like, what a r- rare to have a city like that dense and filled with stuff that you, is like, you know, you can then just jump in the water. Like it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a uh, Victor can be my bad. Also it's NFL wildcard weekend. Uh, stoked on that. Uh, Jets are not in it again, so uh, go Bills, I guess. That's who I'm backing in the NFL playoffs. Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? Uh, I'm stoked on another Christmas present. Uh, it's a book called Food IQ, a book to raise your cooking smarts. It's it's kind of like a book about cooking as well as a cookbook. You know, it's like, you know, there's kind of like a little essay about onions and the difference between the onions, and then there's an onions recipe, and there's like, uh, I think like a hundred little segments like that, so... Really, um, really cool if you're into cooking. Also, last week I was interviewed on the No Mongo podcast uh, that our skate Twitter friend Rick Beta does. So if you ever wondered what the fuck my deal is, you can listen to that and find out. Uh, you can find out kind of what my deal is. Uh, also, don't forget to donate at least ten dollars to Ashley Reifeld's GoFundMe, and I, if you send me the receipt, I will send you some stickers. So you can send that receipt to mostly skateboarding at gmail.com. And yeah, good way to help out a fellow skater. And that's it for the show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Walker, where can the people find you? Online, you can find me um, Instagram, Walker Ryan, uh, Twitter, Walker Crying. <laughs> see see ryan and uh man the handles are kind of endless i was thinking the other day like i have literally signed up for every single thing i got a sub stack that i plan to write occasionally for a little bit you know like if i can get the swing of it there's a uh tiktok there's a what am i what am i forgetting there's a patreon oh yeah sport if you want to find me find me on patreon old friends fitness that's the, that's the one because we're going to be doing we uh going to keep the monthly podcast going on there um as well as the fitness stuff but uh yeah i was i i can't i, I should have written it down i can't even think of all the other things but i've literally i got way too many handles so that's, that's well, enough <laughs> where can people get the book oh you get the book at oldfriendsandco.com um i actually i'm doing you can ship world with ships worldwide which is the most amazing thing about self-publishing. I like click a button and there's print shops 
all over the world and it like will get to you faster in France than it will if you order it here in the States. Not sure about Mexico. For some reason, books can't get to Mexico. I don't know what the deal is, but yeah, pretty much anywhere else you can get a book. And um, yeah, wholefriendsandco.com. Yeah, go get the book, people. Uh, Jason, you. where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carbonite1994, on Instagram at Frozen Carbonite, and writing stuff for quartersnacks.com. Uh, Mike, where can the people find you? I've got the same handles for Twitter and Instagram at M. Munzenreiter and uh, Templeton. Where are you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. We will see you guys next week. Later. Thanks for taking the time, Ryan. Well, Walker Ryan. Ah! Oh, Ryan. Yes, I made it. <laughs>